Hello everyone and welcome. Today we will be talking about a specific approach to generating winning creative ad concepts for mobile user acquisition. This is a methodology that has been developed by consumer acquisition and highlighted in a white paper that they publish and I'll put a link in that to that in the show notes. But just a quick setup for our audience as detailed in that consumer acquisition white paper. First, IDFA deprecation has created a negative 30% margin compression for many game studios against their game revenue. Second, with the deterioration of lookalike audiences, a consumer acquisition submits that contextual and interest-based targeting will be more performant. And finally, consumer acquisition have performed over 25,000 multivariate tests on Facebook, Google, TikTok, and Snap and have learned that 85 to 95% of new creative concepts fail to outperform the best ad in an existing portfolio. Hence, you may need 20 to 50 new concepts to find your next winning creative. Therefore, what is a good system to generate new and winning ad creatives? Well, consumer acquisition have developed a methodology called the ad concept model, which we will discuss in depth today. And with us to talk about the ad concept model, we have first Bradley Bifoco, creative director at Zynga, and the man himself, the, is it C of consumer acquisition, Brian, but, or is it, uh, well, what's the current? No, <laughs> okay. Okay. C of consumer acquisition, Brian Bowman. Welcome guys. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, yeah. Joe. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, well, maybe we just dive right in. And uh, so just kind of getting to the first question, and uh, I guess before we talk about the ad concept model, I thought we could start by talking about, you know, how do most companies come up with creative concepts more generally for their ads and mobile U UA? And so what would the typical process look like and what may be potential pitfalls or issues when we think about the typical model? I'd love to hear and, Brad, Bradley's thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, as, as far as uh, concept development, I mean, you know, at Zynga, uh, at a high level, we, we kind of try to leave no stone unturned, right? Um, so our concept development process kind of, um, there isn't kind of like one way that we do it in terms of where it comes from and, and, and the process by which we use to get there. Um, I will, however, say that, um, you know, we are using some sort of flavor of kind of ad concept modeling um, to kind of you know, uh, kind of keep our ideas together as it were. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think that like anybody else in this industry, you've got to kind of have your eyes and ears everywhere at once. And so kind of always being mindful of what your competitors are doing and not just your kind of, uh, not just your kind of nearest neighbor competitors, but what is your audience also looking at, right? And so there's a, it's not just the kind of like the, the, the products that are similar to yours, right? But there's a whole kind of, UA industry landscape out there, right? That um, users are seeing, you know, creative executions, you know, directed towards them um, for, from all ilk of products and services. And so um, really just kind of being really mindful always of kind of keeping your eyes open to what everybody's doing in this space and, and really getting a sense for how users are feeling and what they're liking in the moment is kind of uh, something that is probably deserves to a place in everybody's um, concept development cycle for sure. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, as far as like the practical kind of uh, pen to paper 
uh, actual like issuing and developing of concepts, you know, I think that that happens at all levels at Zynga. Uh, you know, I kind of, I, I, I look to everybody on the team, you know, from kind of like myself to art leads down to kind of like, you know, um, graphic designers working on projects, you know, ha in a hands-on capacity um, to be able to kind of like generate and submit ideas based on like their analysis of what's going on right now, both in the industry and then also what's work, what, what's, what seems to be working for us. Yeah. So Bradley, would it be fair to say that maybe the typical process, I mean, there's probably some level of structure behind how you do things, but it can generally for most companies potentially be like more of an organic process where you're brainstorming a lot of different ideas and just trying to think what would that concept be that would try and capture the attention of someone to, to tap or click on an ad. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly right. Right. And it's kind of, and it's also about really trying our best to understand trends, not just say like, Oh, this is a trend. We have to do it. But it's like, you know, really kind of trying to understand what is going on with that trend. Like, what is it doing? What is it making consumers feel and think right. And kind of really trying to make that relevant to what you're trying to say about your product, you know? Right. And Brian, I know you've worked with a ton of different customers throughout the industry. Is that the a typical process that you're seeing when you when you work with uh, different customers as well? No, I think Bradley's okay. rare. He's a rare bird in more, in more ways <laughs> than one. Uh, there's really only been a couple of companies that I think have structured the creative ideation process as well as what Bradley's alluding to. I mean, if, if you don't do this, you end up with the creative team kind of running wild, right? That's, the analogy I like to use is you turn off the lights in a room and they fumble around in the dark, uh, just coming up with ideas. But I mean, it could be totally random and, and worthless. The, the generic thing, and if you don't mind, uh, Joel, I'm gonna uh, share a screen if that's okay. Please. It's really a couple of things here. I like to call the ad concept model really just a way to communicate with people. Mm -hmm. And whether that's just an agency to a client, in the more ideal world, it's an agency to a client to the client's internal creative team. And it's really to try and eliminate the redundancy of uh, multiple creative people working in one bucket at the same time. And the idea is to align these creative explorations with your target audience, specifically if you've done marketing segmentation analysis into the personas and what motivations do people have for playing the app or the, or the game um, to make sure that as you know, IDFA deprecation takes hold and the efficiencies of lookalike models disappear on iOS. And obviously Google announced the removal of GAID a couple of years down the road. It's gonna be contextually based. Um, so that's what this is trying to do. And as, as Joe mentioned earlier, it's damn hard to find a winning ad. It's about one out of 20 to one out of 30 ads. Uh, so vast majority of the time, you're going to fail, you, us, any agency. Um, and so here's, in essence, what it is. Um, if we just focus on the color section, that is motivations for why a user is playing an app or, you know, or a product or a service, normally taken from a persona. And the vertical is competitive creative trends. So that's what uh, Bradley was alluding to. Think of it like fashion. Your jeans change, your shoes change, right? What's what's in and out of fashion? The intersection of a trend and a motivation is an idea. And what you can do is take lanes like excitement or success and say, we're gonna focus on those, you guys focus on the others. Uh, or I'm gonna work with several firms 
we're going to divide them all up so that there is no redundancy. And that's a pretty efficient way to work. Um, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. And, and Brian, before we go further, maybe just for our audience, could you further kind of underscore that point about why, because of IDFA deprecation, the ability to come up with with higher, with higher better performant creative is so much more important today relative to the past? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, oh, sorry. sorry. I, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. I can underscore that, Joe. Um, what's more important now than ever, right? Which maybe wasn't as important before, right? When we still had, when we still had lookalike audience, we still had some of those kind of like deeper down funnel metrics, right? It's now more than ever so important to be developing creative where like you are being mindful and uh, of your, of your intention, right? Like, what are you trying to do in the ad? Like, this is so important to be aware of these things. Like, it's not just like, oh, I got a new idea or here's a new idea that's on trend. Let's try it. Right. It's like, really breaking that down, right? It's kind of like, you know, make sure that, um, you know, that you're saying one thing, right? And you're delivering one thing and that you're addressing, a, specifically addressing a user motivation. It can't be, you know, kind of like, it can't just be this vague thing that you're trying to kind of understand, right? You want to really be specific about what you're trying to say and what you're trying to do and every bit of creative that you have and be kind of mindful of that catalog on your end, you know, because those are the things that are going to kind of, be these levers that you end up being able to push and pull later on down the road, right? Um, in terms of kind of like finding more performance for your advertising. Got it. And one of the things you mentioned, Bradley, about being mindful of intention, and Brian, you mentioned personas. And is, is that kind of like the rationale behind going with a persona-based kind of approach because you're trying to determine what intention is? And um, and then, Bradley, maybe a follow-up question for you would be, were you guys using a persona-based approach before, or was this something new based upon a consumer acquisitions ad concept model? Um, let's start with the first part first, I guess. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of the intention, right, that's really yeah. like kind of on our side, right, in terms okay. of being mindful of what we're trying to say and what we're trying right. to do, right? And yeah. so that when something works, right, that's a signal. Right. That like, OK, what we've tried to do here, you know what I mean, is is effective communication at the end of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as uh, the second part of the question goes, sorry, can you repeat? Yeah. So um, I, I was wondering if you guys already had a notion of personas or was was this kind of a new concept based upon the consumer acquisition ad concept model? I'm going to say like we have we have definitely incorporated it from time to time in the past and across other okay. titles. But I, I, I have to be honest here in saying that, like, I actually think that um, the way Brian's doing it now um, is pretty advanced okay. uh, as far as like the, the building the personas. And like, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I am uh, I'm envious. <laughs> and, and maybe just to, and maybe just to follow up, I, I think I think that first question that I was asking about um the importance of intent. I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, uh, when you do come up with the motivation or the, sorry, the personas, is the personas, and the reason why you guys focus on personas, because you are trying to tie an intent to the persona, or am, am I overthinking that? No, or, uh, yeah, we're trying to match okay. an, an, an intent to, to yes, absolutely. But it's less about a persona, but like maybe some of the aspects of the persona, right? I see. Like okay, what are I their motivations? So. What are their interests, right? right? And how are right. we aligning with those things specifically, right? And Brian, please like feel free to kind of like- The cool thing is it has nothing to do with mobile apps, right? 
uh, personas is a, a traditional marketing technique to bucket your users into very large clusters. And those clusters are usually represented by, you know, a man or a woman of a particular age, and here's what they do, watch, and listen to. So you kind of get a flavor for who they are. The cool thing is they, they have emotions, they have reactions, they have components that they want to see and experience. <clears throat> some of them may lead to monetization, some of them may lead to using the title more. So you you play with those and you kind of tease them out to uh, to amplify that. And what you'll find, and I'll go back to the IDFA thing in a second, what you'll find is the algorithms are really good at clustering those kind of users. And so you asked a question around IDFA deprecation and why it matters. Forget IDFA for a moment. This is Facebook AAA and Google UAC. And what they were trying to do is they started peeling off levers for the UA manager. And by eliminating the levers, it meant advertisers very big and very small can get as efficient as each other. The, the challenge is that one size kind of had to fit all. So there's all these pockets of efficiency when you really dug in. Because of the loss of IDFA, um, the weird byproduct is that AppLove and Unity, Vungle, IronSource are really close in performance now to Facebook because the efficiency that Facebook has has been neutered to a large extent. And so at the end of the day, if it's contextual, meaning you're speaking through a persona, if you know how to segment your persona into these attributes, the odds of success in the ads are much higher. Right. So that, that's and the It'd be great line. to kind of dig a little bit deeper into your sort of matrix of personas relative to trends. But before that, maybe Brian and Bradley, when you come up with the personas, is this like a set template of personas that you guys have? Or for a specific game, do you guys come up with different personas? Or how do these persona types get initially defined? Yeah, so there's a lot of frameworks that you can find out in the open okay. web about personas. Um, there are attributes if you're in finance, if you're in games, if you're in health, if you're in e-commerce. There's a kind of traditional top-level persona mm -hmm. that you can start with. Normally, what you would do then is survey your users and tease out the most important motivations. From that, you can establish really two things one the product development cycle that you're going on in the app are you hitting that persona um is that what you want right what users are saying um and maybe it's not right so then you have to adjust <laughs> you have to adjust the title or adjust the expectations that this is who we're getting um so there, there's i'd say five to six kind of well-researched foundations that you then take and repurpose and the and part of what we're sharing in the white paper is We've broken it down, I think, into six or seven uh, genres that are not necessarily just gaming, right? I know it's subscription services and dating and finance. And you can look at them and just, when you go to use Fidelity or you're using a, a credit app, is that why you use it? It's a sniff test. Um, the, what you may or may not understand is, <clears throat> again, when you lose lookalike audiences, you've got to cluster people somehow. So what the algorithms can simply do is cluster you based on the type of ads you respond to. Am I responding to negative ads? Am I responding to positive ads? Am I responding to informational ads or, you know, or discounts? So all of those things fit into these attributes. And then you just start playing with what other companies, because Bradley made this great point. 
there are my direct competitors, they have a similar title, but then there's the aspirational competitors. I just like their ads. They have nothing to do with the category I'm in, but they're badass. So I want to take that concept, decompose it and put it into this persona structure. And that's what's powerful about this. There's no limit to the trends or, or concepts. <clears throat> you know, you can keep expanding both horizontally and vertically. It's just a structure to make sure you don't, you don't just wander off into the dark room. Okay. And then let's say a new studio is interested or kind of has a notion of wanting to try out this ad concept model. Could you guys step me through what would be like the step one, two, three, four, five in terms of how... Uh, you know, a, uh, a UA marketer or, or creative person within a mobile gaming studio would kind of go through your process? Would it be to, you know, set up the personas first, discover competitive creative trends, create the matrix? Or could you just like step me through that whole process? Right, I'd love to hear your answer. But by the way, to be clear, he was already doing this, right? We just happened to be <laughs> okay. working. With yeah, it was really kind of coincidental. Like it was like it was all of a sudden like we looked at each other across the table, even though there was no table, you know, during COVID. <laughs> but we sit across <laughs> together, but like you know, we have had these very similar ideologies, right? For kind of like how how we kind of think about making creatives, right? Um, and I'll also mention that like. I, my work at Zynga is, is, is pretty much at this point um, focused on the games that we're about to launch, right? And so um, my acumen is applied to kind of like figure out that framework for development, right? Kind of define our, our, our matrices for or our matrix for a given product um, and then make sure that we kind of like develop enough of different types of stuff so that we and, and, and all of that stuff is, you know, there's like I was saying before, there's intention behind it so that we know, you know, and that cattle, that intention is cataloged so that we can understand if something works, why it's working already, because we've kind of like figured out the taxonomy, right, for that given piece of creative, you know, or had already. And that's the hope, at least. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, you know, I, it, it, for, for me, it always has to start with the game, right? Okay. Um, and it's always about like, you know, breaking down the game into kind of like, what are what are all the selling points like what can what is what can that player expect to do in the game and what can what can uh what can that player also expect the game to do for them right like you know and so we all we, we our matrix our matrix our ad matrices always start with kind of like really breaking down the game into um as large of buckets as possible that are kind of like informed by the things that um you know buckets of things that users might like to do right um but the you know the idea for our matrices matrices are not to kind of like have buckets of like where all ads are the same you know what I mean like the we get oh we only have this type of ad in this bucket or this type of ad that is not the objective of our matrix right it's actually so that we can kind of have buckets that we know what you know that, that kind of are generally these ads are about the same thing right they are addressing the same kind of motor user motivations they are surfacing the same type of kind of like uh you know hopefully appealing features and mechanics, right? That, um, that a, a given kind of like genre fan might be interested in, right? So we really, that's where we start um, in terms of our development is like taking the game apart and like, how is, how is this, how, how, from a selling point perspective, right? What can the user expect to do? And what can, what can the user expect the game to do for them, right? And so we start there. Um, and then um, from there, we kind of, we, then we look at to see what, you know, what are our kind of most, uh, most relevant um, sentiment um, bits that we could be conveying in our ads. And that's, that's, that's the, that's where, that's the foundation for us are those two things. So Joe, I was poking around while he was talking, but I was listening. Bradley. <laughs> um, I wanted to, I found the thing here with the frameworks. So I wanted to share it for a couple of reasons here. 
Um, so you'll see, um, and forgive me, I can't pronounce this person's name, but um, there, it shows a couple of the frameworks, Jungian archetypes, Bartles, player types. Uh, Facebook has come out with their own. I think uh, uh, there are several other firms that have. So it's a, it's a relatively well-known way of thinking about it. And okay. often I love simple quotes that communicate the challenge. The, the, the one from Mark Twain is a great one. To someone with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I think what happens in the industry today is we take one concept and hammer everybody independent of what motivates them to play the game. So it, it's not as refined as it could be in the concept, right? And if you look at, I believe this is the Facebook model for gaming, um, some people kill each other, some people complete levels, some people just like to relax. And you can have all three of those in a game and you may want to highlight those individual components in the ads that you're going after, partially because it may drive more level completion, partially because it may drive better monetization. So as you figure those out, and it could be the intersection of the creative itself and the motivations, but it really does work. It works quite well. Okay. And Brian, just so I understand, and I'm trying to understand, so you... Um, and, and Bradley, so you first start by understanding the game, trying to understand potentially uh, the, the value proposition, as you said. And then, Brian, you're understanding the use, potential user motivations to play the game. And then is the next step to then build out the personas and the in, in like the, the creative trends to build that matrix? Or um, what, yeah, you what have two ways of doing it. One, okay. copy somebody because you may not have the marketing resources to do it. <laughs> Game sure. Refinery publishes a lot of really good help. So okay. I would point you to those guys. They're smart. You could start with those personas um, and the motivations of them. It's mm -hmm. usually hand grenade pretty close. From there, you then look at ad intelligence products. We happen to use mobile action, but Sensor Tower, App Annie, and Social PETA are other examples. Um, and I think there's, in our current world, about three and a half or four million videos in our ad intelligence product, broken down by genre and subgenre. It was <laughs> much to my chagrin, I thought I can get a creative person to think like a UA manager and a UA manager to think creatively. And it literally was like oil and water. We couldn't do it. So we ended up designing a product by artists for artists that just made it easier to get into and figure out what competitors are doing. And then they could for themselves do what Bradley's talking about, which is man, that's a cool ass trend. How do I put it into my world? Got it. Okay. And then um, maybe it, just, just for some of that, because, you know, in, in terms of the audience, there are a number of folks at smaller studios, but is this kind of an expensive process? Is this something that if you were thinking about or advising a smaller game studio about using an ad concept type approach, like, how would you advise them? And then, you know, would they, maybe if they don't have the resources to pay for like a sensor tower or data.ai, which is App Annie or, or one of those services, what, what would you recommend that they do? Very good, Joe. They just renamed today, right? That's like <laughs> yeah. timely. I'm current. Um, so we give it away for free. Okay. So if, if, if they're accessing our platform, they can get it for there. It's it's not inexpensive. So um, I do think that's part of the challenge. There are free tools. So the best one is Facebook ads library. 
Uh, and then there's a TikTok ads library. The challenge is it's really fleeting. So it shows you what's going on at this moment, not necessarily the last 24 hours or the last three weeks. And really what I think you're missing from that is intensity. So how many impressions are you getting per ad as a proxy for quality? Um, so you, you're missing some of that, but it is free. And I think it's <laughs> like if the entire page has a particular trend, you know that that's working for them. Right. Um, yeah, and I would also I would also mention like for 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 you know I guess any smaller outfits out there that are interested in kind of like don't have resources you know to kind of access any of these intelligence tools right like um I mean I'm only going to speak from personal experience here but it's you know I I don't necessarily use Facebook as a user right like I don't post anything about my life or anything like that but to Facebook I look like someone who loves clicking on ads and downloading games right for instance. And so, and I, and I'm starting to notice similar, like if I kind of direct my own behavior to look like a user that likes to see ads, I'm going to get served more ads. And so I spend a lot of time on my own device, looking at ads, capturing ads, saving those ads for my own reference. Um, and I just think that that's a really good habit for anybody who wants right. to kind of like, you know, kind of participate in, you know, this, this discourse, right. Of the mobile UA, um, which is like, definitely kind of like inextricably linked to the pop culture, kind of like the larger pop culture, broad audience, mass market stuff. Right. Um, I just think developing some habits around kind of like gaming those, uh, gaming these kind of like networks and platforms to kind of see you as a user that likes to see ads and they'll gladly serve you ads, right. <laughs> you know? Um, and so I just think that that's a, that's just a good kind of habit that anybody can, any, anybody can do for themselves. Right. Um, and the more, you know, the more, the more active you are in terms of click, you know, tapping on ads and downloading those products, the more you're going to get served, right? right. I do want to highlight the, how dismal this process is. Just to be, to be fair, it, if anyone tells you they know what ad is going to work, they're wrong, right? Nobody knows, and so the idea is you got to have something that puts it in buckets so that you have, like, there are countless times I'm like, I'll put twenty bucks. This ad is going to work, and it bombs miserably. So, I mean, after hundreds of thousands of these things, I don't know. And there's a Japanese philosophy for testing called Kaizen, which is just infinitely test, infinitely try. And that's really the approach here, which is just because something works doesn't mean something similar will. And something totally wacky or even a mistake can often be the best winning ad. Um, now, if you're working with a licensed IP, you can't get away with this but move as quickly as you can. You don't need to refine the ads, you know, get them out and test them and see if it holds the click-through rate or IPM impressions per install. If so, then you got a winner and you can play with it. Right. Um, but it, it's hard to do. Got it. And I, I feel like I understand how you've kind of structured this process and, and, and kind of made it, you know, a structured process around let's say the personas and trends, and then also the user motivations. But when you, like, let's say you are using one of these data services and you're looking at, you're, I assume you're using that primarily to look at competitive benchmarks in terms of advertising. What are you specifically looking for when you're, for example, using a data.ai sensor tower, social PETA? What are the specific things that you look for and how would you take that information and then apply it to a campaign for your own game? Um, the way we do it is there are, as Bradley mentioned, usually about 10 competitors that are direct 
for your title. Right. You tease those out in a call of one form or another. We end up putting them into a dashboard. The creative team zooms in. We look at them over the course of the last 90 to 180 days. We can see the trends that they were working with. We could see when things failed and when they started. So, and we've been doing this a while, so we kind of get right what, what the ebbs and flows are. So we normally know this thing's out, it's out of fashion, but we're gonna try this. Um, so you, you put it into the bucket of things I wanna test. The more interesting uh, kind of exploration is what are the top ads overall? What are the top ads getting the most, it doesn't matter what they are, what are they doing that's cool and driving a lot of impressions? Now that could be because somebody's bursting and spending a you know crap ton of money, or it could be just that it's a really funny ad. Um, and, and you could take those ideas and then put them into your asset constraints or your universe constraints and try them. And those things often work quite well. Do you also Fred, even... I'm curious, because it sounds like you're not using an ad intelligence tool. Um, I mean, we we have an enterprise license for, for Sensor Tower, right? So we rely on Sensor Tower for sure. And I think, again, I'm going to mention the idea of kind of like habits, right? Um, and kind of like constantly, you know, being like, you know, conducting your own research, right, for your own, for, for your own reference, but also to make sure that your teams kind of like have some visibility into that research and kind of like, you know, making some conclusions and some analysis around that, right? Um, it's, you know, for, for, for me personally, what I like to, what I like to know is like, okay, what are people seeing, right? So it's like share voice and like the number of impressions served is, 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 is good, good kind of information, right? It's like, what are people being exposed to, right? And how, and, and, and does that give us any kind of clues as to how they're kind of feeling, right? And to Brian's point about kind of like, all right, well, what else is going on in the industry, not just games, right? And it's like, if you actually kind of look in that, like you look at the top creatives, it's, you know, there's there's some interesting stuff in there, right? Like personal finance, right? People are really responding to that. So it's like, what can that tell you, right? Like, how can you kind of like dig into what that communication is doing and what that what is motivating that user to want to seek help right there in terms of like, you know, personal finance, like maybe there's something to learn there. Right. And so, um, so yeah, I, we definitely use the, the, those tools. I, I also really like ad action. I think that's cool. I poke around in there for sure sometime, but you know, um, we do, we have an enterprise license for, for sensor tower. And so that's kind of the language everybody speaks, you know, um, and, uh, and, you know, it, it gives a decent enough kind of like purview and overview of the landscape, uh, at any time. All right, so it sounds like the advice is not just to focus on your specific genre, but to look more broadly, maybe even outside of Games Cure Point, Bradley. Yep. And if there are lessons there from these competitive ad intelligence tools, maybe you could take those and, and at least try to apply them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, like, you know, and maybe this is controversial to say, but it's like, I, you know, I don't think that like mobile ad installs are, are like, um, or installs from mobile ads are, are like, super calculated contemplated decisions i think it's buying gum you know what i mean yeah. like and that's not a that is not a like uh that is not a commentary on these on, on the products right like i love mobile games i am a mobile gamer through and through right not very into the console thing i've been i love i love mobile games right they are perfect for my for me and my use cases right um and so uh the, the these one are not again these are not contemplated kind of like purchase thoughts, right? These are kind of, like I said, it's right. a pack of gum at the checkout line, right? It's like, ah, oh, it's more of an impulse buy, right? right. I, Joe, you're asking questions around how you do it. So I'm gonna try and, this is like just core DR 101, right? What's the value prop? What's the call to action? If, if you just 
look of direct response advertising best practices. A lot of this is in there. I would highly recommend to your viewers to watch the talk from Malcolm Gladwell on spaghetti. And okay. I, I call it the spaghetti manifesto. Um, it's, a, it's 11 minutes, so it's well worth your time. It's about how Pepsi got it wrong and how spaghetti sauce got it right and answering a very simple question, which is what do people want next? And the answer is people don't know. So you, you can't give them what they want next. You have to just show them what it is. <laughs> but if you don't know, it's hard. It's really hard to do. It's a great, it's a great watch okay. uh, and relevant to what we're talking about here. I'll, I'll find it and put a link in the show notes, but yeah, I definitely appreciate that yeah, reference. Same here. I need to watch this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Malcolm Gladwell fan for sure. All right. And maybe the last question I can ask you is more now about, so you've kind of gone through this process, the ad concept model or some other structured process of some kind, and you've come up with a bunch of ad concept ideas, or you have now like a, you know, a, a set of creatives. And so in terms of like how you execute and test these in terms of, uh, could you talk about how to actually do that? How would you approach it in terms of channels, the number of creatives, um, and you know which creatives to use and, and that sort of thing? Uh, it would be great to hear a little bit more about the implementation execution of the creatives once, once they've actually been ideated. Um, <clears throat> this is obviously contingent on a bunch of stuff. Is it an in-app purchase? Is it an in-app ad, et cetera? This is our general number of videos just the, the little spreadsheet thingy here in the middle um, that we recommend people do based on their velocity of spend per month. If you go higher, you end up crushing ROAS or you know your financial model. If you go lower, you end up fatiguing and running out. Always test on, <clears throat> excuse me, one platform. You can't do iOS anymore because it's a creative blob, so they've jacked it all up, but you can use Android on Facebook. It's the most efficient testing. UAC doesn't offer it. TikTok is getting there. So for the time being, A-B testing on Android is the way to go. Um, we recommend a three-step process. We have a white paper for free. Um, this has been vetted with you know, a billion dollars in spend. The, the purpose here is actually quite simple. In Facebook, you cannot remove history of the ad spend from the winning ad. Um, therefore, if you try to combine a challenger into the campaign with the champion, the challenger almost always loses because Facebook knows what the champion is. However, if you carefully nurture that video or image to get out of the learning phase and into the optimized phase, you'll find a much higher success rate. So there's a very structured process that we go through. Um, one of the frustrations I think we have on our side is we provide a whole bunch of creatives and some of the clients just jack up creative testing and you're like, it's not going to work. Um, and so of course, you know, all the ads fail. So it, it, it really is a one, two punch. Don't get married to anything. I like Bradley's analogy of bubble gum when it runs out of flavor switch um, because you can't get wed to creative ideas. They just, they're really difficult to find. No, and I don't know, maybe, maybe one last bit of advice. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something I feel like um, I've heard from, you know, multiple sources kind of corroborate this. Like, don't fixate on what isn't working for you or understanding to fix something that isn't working for you. It's not, not, not worth your time. 
right? Right. Um, you know, uh, focus on what's working and kind of, you know, the digger, the deeper you can dig in there um, is going to, you know, could wait, be much more worth your while, right? With respect to kind of like metric improvement or whatever you're looking at as far as KPIs. And I think that's why a lot of companies turn to us. The internal team ends up getting tunnel vision specifically through this lens. They know what works, they know what fails, and they st- they keep safe. Where we're kind of like wild cowboys, right? We'll try and do anything because we know the odds of success are so low, and we don't have the internal politics to worry about. So whether it's us or another creative firm, uh, I do recommend, much like on the UA side, benchmarking the team, because all it is is more ideas to feed. If we find a winner, then that provides a new direction for the internal team to take and riff on. All right, great. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I certainly learned uh, quite a bit today. And maybe as uh, as a last message, could, could you tell the audience if they wanted to get in touch with you guys, how would they do that? And if you have any you know, final, final words of advice for folks out there, uh, maybe starting with you, Brian? Sure. Brian at consumeracquisition.com. Um, by the way, we were recently acquired by Brain Labs out of the UK. So we went from being 55 people to over 700. We now offer paid search, programmatic, and SEO. We don't. They do. I guess we do. <laughs> I got to get used to that. Um, so please reach out if you have questions to my email address, and we would love to help you on the creative or the UA side. And Bradley? Um, yeah, so if you if you want to find me, maybe maybe uh, maybe the best place to reach out to me in this capacity would be on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think LinkedIn slash Bradley RB is my handle there. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'd be happy to talk to anybody who you know really wants to kind of uh, wants to shoot the breeze about it. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I'm a, a lifelong uh, advertising junkie. This has been my career. You know, I started in very conventional advertising agencies on the East Coast you know, found my way into this industry and, uh, I'm not going to leave that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm really kind of, I'm always up for a discussion around creative development, right. Um, especially pertaining to in the UA landscape. So, um, yeah, feel free to hit me up. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, gentlemen. And for our audience, we will catch you next time. Thanks everybody. Bye. Yeah.